So we're actually reading from the whole uh, chapter 3 of Philippians, not just the first couple of verses. And it's titled, Righteousness Through Faith in Christ. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh... If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus' sway. And if in anything you think otherwise... God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await the Saviour, a Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like (coughs) sorry, to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Good morning, everybody. Uh, For those whom you don't know me, my name is Martin. Uh, It's good to be here. And I just want to thank um, leadership and elders who have given me the privilege to share God's word with you. And also Pastor Bill, uh, who have shaped my message. Yes, 
this helped me very much. Yeah, so we're going to mainly look at verse 12 to 14. But how about we pray before we expand on the word of God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, help us to see Christ, um, savor Christ, his beauty, his truthfulness, his faithfulness. Oh Lord, which enables us to see him. Father, we agree that apart from you, we can do nothing. So would you please strengthen us, strengthen me, Lord. So that we pray, let the meditation of our hearts and the words of our mouth be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. My rock, my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Work, eat, drink, and sleep. Work, eat, drink, and sleep. Well, this is what we do in life, isn't it? Sometimes we are like a hamster on a treadmill, just trying to get along with everyday life, with the same task. Work, drink, eat, and sleep. We often underestimate the importance of goal in our life. Just, just think about it. The New Year's resolution we have made are often forgotten. The countless decisions we have made on Sunday are often overlooked by Tuesday. And many of us don't even think about the ultimate goal of our life as a Christian. But can you imagine a soccer player or soccer team, the World Cup is going on, sorry, who does not know the goal of their game? Or can you imagine a runner running a race without caring about where the finishing line is? You see, without a clear goal, we are like that runner that does not care about where the finishing line is. We'll become like a hamster on a treadmill. How about you? Do you know the goal of your life as a Christian? You know, when I share the gospel with people in the city, especially, I would, I would ask people, hey, what is the goal of your life? What is, what's the goal of your life? And they said, around 80 to 90% of people will say, happiness. So being happy. So nothing is new under the sun, isn't it? In the book called Republic that I read recently, which greatly influenced the thoughts of the Western society we have right now, Socrates would argue the same thing. He argues that the chief aim of human life is eudaimonia, which means happiness. How about you? Do you think the same way? What would you say if someone asked you today, hey, mate, what is the goal of your life as a Christian? Are you ready to answer this question with confidence and clarity? Do you know why we are here on this earth as Christians? This sermon will answer the question, not only to give an answer to what, it, what our goal is, but also the reason and motivation to aim at this goal as Christians. So I really do pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate his word into our mind, will, and passion in our hearts for maximum transformation as you hear this message. So here are three points of the sermon if you're writing notes. The goal, the distractors of the goal, and the reason for the goal. Those are the three points. So the first point, the goal, the goal of the Christian life is this, to press towards to knowing Jesus, being like Jesus, 
and making Jesus known. I'll say it again. To press towards to knowing Jesus, being like Jesus, and making Jesus known. Well, in verse 12, Paul says, I press on to make it my own. Pay attention to the word press. The word press is, is to pursue, to chase in a war or in hunting, to get the target, to get to the prey. Just imagine a predator chasing after his prey, or a police officer chasing after the suspect. Now the question is, what does Paul press towards for? The answer is found in the previous verse, in verse 10 of this chapter. There are five things that he says to know Christ, know and experience the power of Christ's resurrection, to participate in Christ's suffering, and becoming like Christ in his death, so that he may reach the resurrection from the body, so from the, from the dead. Quite long, so let's break it down. First, Note very carefully, here the word no, it does not mean like today's no, where you occasionally know about something, quite superficially. It is knowing someone personally. Imagine your soulmate. Yes, your spiritual friend, right? The person you share your life with. The person that you would often contact when you have good news or bad news, right? I think Tim Keller describes this spiritual friendship uh, in a very helpful way. He says this, spiritual uh, friend is someone who always lets you in, never lets you down. There's intimacy, vulnerability, transparency, and sticks closer than a brother. I think this is what knowing here means. You see, to know is not an abstract, it is personal. So just think about your friend that you'll always go to to chill, to have meal. That, that, that's what it means, to know really well. Second, knowing the power of Christ's resurrection and participating in Christ's suffering go hand in hand, like a bed and a pillow, right? Now, the resurrection of Jesus points to the forgiveness of sins and the new life we have and will have in Christ. Jesus, who is risen, is living in us right now. Yes, this ultimate hope of resurrection gives, gives us the courage to participate joyfully in Jesus' suffering. Not only that, Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from death lives in us, right? To empower us, strengthen us, to mold us more like Jesus Christ. Now, it is quite clear that suffering is not an option, uh, but an essential part of Christian life. It's not an option, right? Because Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 says this. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Well, Paul was writing this letter when he was under house arrest in Rome. He was put in prison because he was witnessing about Christ, about Jesus, his death and resurrection. Well, because... He did not compromise the gospel message. He was, he was um, persecuted for that. Well, think about this way. We live in Melbourne, Australia. It is highly unlikely that we will be jailed for our um, Christian faith. But our society is becoming increasingly hostile to our Christian faith, our orthodox faith, isn't it? We are now considered as bad guys, the bigots, 
my friends, time is coming. Well, the time has come. You may lose your job by standing firm in biblical sexuality. When you say God created two genders exclusively, men and women, you'll be in big trouble now. Or by speaking up for the baby in the womb and standing up against abortion, get bigoted. Now in your job, you'll get trained about LGBTQI+. There's a lot of alphabets after that, which is becoming mandatory. Would you look at me, especially young people? I'm, I'm considering myself young as well, so. Let us be so gracious. Let us be so gentle. Let us be so hardworking and sacrificial. But let us never, ever, ever compromise the truth of God's word. Please, let us not be wishy-washy just saying, hey, what is the big deal? I need money. God's word matters. God's glory matters. And our neighbor's salvation matters. You know, although I say this, um, I get pretty scared because a lot of young people will come to me and say, I'm just sharing about the love of Christ, but, but they always come back to this question. Hey, how about those gay people? Will they go to hell? I'm like, ooh, here we go again. Every time they'll bring that up. My instinct is to dodge the question and say, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. But Holy Spirit often enables me to share the truth boldly, yet lovingly. So I just want to encourage all of us, when you stand from the truth, the Holy Spirit who lives in you will enable you, empower you, strengthen you. And in the future resurrection, all things will be made right. Look to that. Now, how are you doing, my friends, my brothers and sisters? Are you dodging all this persecution? Are you dodging all that for the sake of comfort? How are you doing? Is the goal of your life press, pressing on to know and be like Christ in your suffering? Is that your goal? To know and experience? Well, let me put it this way. Are you so satisfied with knowing Jesus that you're willing to forsake your earthly comfort for heavenly joy? Well, I like how Peter Adams, the Anglican preacher in Melbourne, said, Suffering now, glory later. Suffering now, glory later. Is the goal in your life still happiness? Just living, forsaking the eternal pleasure in Christ. Well, my friends, our goal and calling in our life is not happiness, it's holiness, as John Calvin rightly said. Yes, becoming holy, that is to know Christ and be like Christ. And I, I, I bet you there's more joy, there's more satisfaction. So whenever you do things in life, just stop for a moment, let's stop. You can ask yourself, hey, does this lead me to become more like Christ? Will this lead me to know, uh, to know Jesus more? And this will transform your life. You just have to ask the question. Lastly, Paul says he wants to participate in Christ's suffering by becoming like Jesus in his death. Now, this refers to Paul letting go of his old self and becoming more like Jesus Christ as a new creation. Also, Jesus died to save sinners, bringing peace between God and man. So Paul wants to live the way Christ lived. As Jesus was bringing peace between God and man. So Paul wants to live the way Christ lived, right? Paul wants to obey to death in sharing this glorious good news. 
just Paul wants to make Christ known through his preaching and serving other people. How about you? Do you desire to make Christ known? Is this your passion? Does this drive you when you work? I mean, just think about it. We share things that excite us all the time. Just examine the encounters you have uh, even this week. The things you shared on social media, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger. We like to share things we value. You say, hey, how good is it? Hey, look, look, isn't this awesome? Do you do that in sharing Christ? By putting it all together, I want to ask you, is the ultimate goal of your life is to know Christ, be like Christ, and make him known? Although it may cost you and your very life, your job, at times? I mean, does this even excite you? Or are you holding on to your desire to live self-centered, happiness-driven life? Just compromising here and there. Now let us look at what makes us ineffective in pursuing this goal. So now we are coming to the distractors of the goal. There are some of the distractions that hinder us in pursuing this goal to know Christ, right? Like, now let us imagine the runner again, okay? Diet and nutrition. To put that into shape, right? But in our Christian race, in pursuing the goal, it is pride that we have to be mindful of. Pridefulness. In verse 12, if you see, Paul humbly recognizes that he has not fully obtained this goal he talked about. And he's not perfect yet. And humility, God gives grace to the humble, and he crowns the humble with victory. And it says in James 4, Psalm 149. You know, I've been uh, learning about different battles uh, in the world, and it was quite interesting. Throughout the history, there's one um, one element that makes a strong nation fall overconfidence. In other words, lack of humility. Just like Proverbs says multiple times in the Bible, a prideful heart comes before the fall and destruction. I mean, I struggle with this all the time. How about us? Aren't we at times too content and confident with what we already know about the Bible? Or even worse, we don't even recognize the need for the Word of God and think that we are confident in leading our life. I want to plead with you, let us humbly examine ourselves in Christ and acknowledge our desperate need for Christ. This will enable us to run the race effectively. Our imperfection should drive us to perfection of Christ. It is quite interesting how Paul says there is one thing that he does to achieve this goal. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, here the straining forward means to stretch forward. Think about it again. Imagine the running, uh, imagine the running race of 100 meters, okay? As the runners run, they put their focus on the finish line, right? Or imagine a soccer game, a striker who is about to shoot a goal in soccer, the focus should head towards the goalpost. You'll never see a runner um, looking backwards in the 100 meters race. And the same for a striker who is about to shoot a goal. Now, having this in mind, let us think, what makes us look behind and hinder us in stretching forward ahead and makes us ineffective? It is complacency. Looking beyond our past achievement, 
and being satisfied with it. We say, hey, looking back, and we said, hey, I've done enough. I deserve some rest. I've made a lot of past sacrifices. I, met, I served church this much. Let us realize that yesterday's faithfulness does not guarantee today's faithfulness. Recognize that the devil is prowling like a lion and seeking someone to devour, right? Know that you are in the race until the Lord takes you home or he returns. And lastly, what hinders us pressing towards the goal is ruminating on our past failures, whether it is your sin or the resolutions and promises you have failed to keep. I work as a mental health clinician, and I often see clients who have this exact problem. And actually, I see this in myself too. <laughs> Just ruminating on my failures and my downfalls. People go into deep anxiety and depression by ruminating on the things that happened before and things that will not likely to happen in the future. <laughs> These thoughts will hinder you from living, living effectively to pursue this goal. And as a result, the level of depression and anxiety increases even more. Are you struggling with guilt and your past failures even today? Or have you your sins you're going through? You don't, you don't feel like you're worthy to be here this morning, just struggling? Well, as a Christian myself, someone who aspires to be a minister, maybe, maybe not, I go through some really depressing phases when I see my remaining sin. Sometimes it just kills me. Sometimes I just don't want to wake up from my bed. Did you feel that way as well? Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, Spiritual Depression, by the way, it's a great book if you have time, he said that the most of our unhappiness in life is because we are listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. You hear that? So preach the promise of God to yourself as you press towards the goal. Like the psalmist says, why are you downcast on my soul? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Don't listen to yourself. Preach to yourself. Man, it, it has worked to me. <laughs> Give me a lot of freedom as I do this. Remember the word of Jesus, that our Father feeds even birds of the air, and we are much more valuable than those birds. And he's going to take care of us. So as he says in Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Yes, just cast all your anxiety on God by prayer, because he cares about you. Well, does Satan condemn you for your past failures and your sins? Preach to yourself that you are a new creation in Christ, as uh, 2 Corinthians says. And maybe you can sing uh, the lyrics of Before the Throne of God Above, which says, Sin tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. This will lead you to stretch forward toward the goal of knowing Jesus, being like Jesus, making Jesus known. Achieving, pursuing our goal. But the, the question is why? I just talked about we have to do that, we have to pursue that. But the question is why? Why do we work so hard to pursue this goal we talked about? What is the reason we pursue to know and be like Christ? Well, is it because we want to be known by God? 
But like all the other religions, they say, we fuck God, just look at me. Look at all the things that I'm doing. I'm sure you accept me. I'm a good person, and you love me. See, I'm, I'm doing all these things for you. Or should we get the reason from worldly people that strive just to prove how good they are? Or like Socrates, who said that we should cultivate virtue just for individual and collective happiness? Is, is, is it why? Why does Paul press towards the goal of knowing Christ and being like Christ? Let us look at verse 12 again. I read it out to you. Not that I have already obtained this, the goal, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus, because Jesus made me his own, was the ultimate reason he's pursuing this goal. It summarizes the testimony of Paul and includes us Christians. God became our God and we became his people through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Yes, it was through Jesus' perfect life and him taking the hell punishment that you and I deserve. Jesus made us his own. He took the hell, he drank our hell in our place. Just think about it. Despite all your failures and sins, Jesus is saying, you are mine. I love you. No one can snatch you away from my hand. I've died for you. Give my all to know you. Well, don't you think this will give you the joy of pursuing Christ? In verse 14 says, Paul presses on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The goal, as we have discussed, is to know Jesus, to become like Christ. And the prize is the expectation of the goal becoming a reality. That is to become fully like Jesus and the complete grasp of Jesus. And the upward call of God is when God calls his children home into his presence. Now, note very carefully, okay? Um, here he says, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This in Christ Jesus and resurrection of Jesus. I love how Dan Ortlund explains the implication of in Christ Jesus. It's, it's quite beautiful. He says this, those who are in union with Christ are promised that all the haunted brokenness that infects everything. They can have a look. Every, every relationship, every conversation, every family, every, every job, every vacation, everything will one day be rewound and reversed. The more darkness and pain we experience in this life, the more resplendence and relief in the next. You see, if Christ has made you his own, your past and present suffering will actually come. Isn't that glorious? Yes, it, it, was very, it was this very salvation that Paul confidently said the ultimate goal of his life is to know Jesus, to be like Jesus, to make Jesus known. Well, are there some of you here sitting today really want to experience this blessing? Today is the day. Come. God is offering Christ today to you. Turn from your sin, not in terms of perfection, but in terms of direction. Put your trust in Jesus Christ, who died for sins and rose again. He'll be with you. And did you realize that Paul is actually insisting on the reenactment of Jesus' life? Just think about it. Just think about the Jesus' ministry. Jesus was the one who showed perfect love. 
Do you remember when I said here, no means have you got deep relationship in this context? Think about it. To know us, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus did not lose focus on his goal. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Seeing many people being saved through the power of his death and resurrection. You know, actually, when I was first preparing this message, I actually wrote this message for my college. Uh, my message statement was this. The goal of the Christian life is to know Christ, to be like Christ, and make Christ known, as I said. The more I think about the passage, the whole uh, narrative of the Philippines, I had to change it. I, thought, I, I realized I missed one thing. The goal of the Christian life is to know Christ, to be in awe of Christ, and then to be like Christ and make Christ known because Jesus has made us his own. Think about it. In verse 8 of the chapter, Paul says, I count everything as laws because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. You see, after Paul knew about Christ, he was in awe of his worth. And he said, man, that's awesome. Then he becomes like Christ. His heart is in awe of who Christ is. As in this context, knowing Jesus and salvation that depends on faith, left Paul in awe. You know, I was actually talking to uh, Brendan recently. By God's grace, we've been having a really good chat. I don't mind. Hopefully, you don't mind, Brendan. Yeah, um, and we were talking about the grace of God. And, and Brendan was like, Martin, you know what? I want to be the man that God calls me to be. And I saw his face. I'm thinking, that's the gospel impact. That's the gospel. And I was like, Lord, if I can mentor this man, it will be a privilege. And Brendan said, yes. So that was, it's been a good journey. I think that's the gospel, isn't it? You don't want to do things because you want to impress God. To realize the grace of God in your life, you say, man, I want to be like Christ. I've seen that in Michael's life too. What a privilege for me to experience that um, for the past couple of months. Praise God for that. So let your mind, will, and heart, and passion be in awe of Christ. And you'll be led by the Spirit to be like Him. Study the Scripture. And spend much time on prayer till it becomes real to you, till it changes you. Spend time with Him. As Jaya Packer said in his book, Knowing God, he says this, it's very useful. How can we turn our knowledge about God into the knowledge of God? The rule for doing is simple but demanding. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into the matter for meditation before God leading to prayer and praise to God. I think that is true. The end goal of theology is doxology, which means the end goal of studying God's word is to praise him, to be in awe of him. And examine the content of your conversation, would you, that you have in person and in mobile phone. Why? Because out of the abundance of our hearts, the mouth speaks. Reflect on how you use your time. Cut out the things that will hinder you from pushing the goal. So examine your heart frequently to tune your heart to know Jesus, be in awe of Jesus, become like Jesus, and make Jesus known. Do not lose your focus. Always look to Christ as you run this race, like a runner who looks straight to the finish line until the race is done, like a soccer player who focuses on the goal as he shoots. 
Let earthly treasure and distraction have no part in this race. As you immerse yourself in knowing Christ, be in awe of Christ, be like Christ, and as you make Christ known. Most of all, be joyful in the, and spend eternity with God in full knowledge of Christ. For Jesus Christ is our ultimate prize and goal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we praise you for this glorious gospel. Lord, when we arrive to in following the passions of our flesh, you are the one who came to us first. In your sheer grace, in your love. So, Father, help us to savor that. Help us to really know that and respond to it. And help us to say, yes, my life is not about me. It's about to know Jesus, to, just, to make Jesus known. Would you please help us? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.